podcast and YouTube blog covering the German startup scene with news, interviews, and live events. Hello and welcome, everybody. This is Joe from StartupRate.io, your startup podcast and YouTube blog from Germany, again with another winner of the German Startup Awards. This time I talk to Nina and she's the newcomer of the year 2021. Welcome and congratulations. Thanks, Joe. Thanks so much for having me. Totally my pleasure. This recording is in media partnership with the German Startup Association and the German Startup Awards. Um, but before we get to your award, which is actually the end of our interview, let us start where you've been starting because, um, as everybody can see down here, there's a link to your LinkedIn profile and, uh, you attended the Lehigh University Pharmaceutical Chemistry. How on earth did you decide to study pharmaceutical chemistry? It's, it's <laughs> nothing you come up with. Like, like a lot of people, oh, what do you want to be? Oh, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a firefighter, but I haven't heard anybody who's, uh, who said, Oh, I want to be a pharmaceutical chemist. Um, I, I, I'm with you there. That major was only offered by Lehigh for one year. And it was the year that I graduated with that title. And then I don't think there were any other students that wanted a bachelor's in pharmaceutical chemistry. So they don't actually offer it any longer. And I think I'm the only person with that degree. <laughs> um. Uh, what what did you make to take this major? What, what what was driving you there? Curiosity, interest. Yeah, a, a little bit of a, a funny story. Um, I really liked chemistry in in high school, but I I wasn't wasn't particularly good at it. Um, like I wasn't the top of my class necessarily. Like I was getting A's and B's, but I wasn't um, the superstar. And But I wanted to continue on, and I was looking for what sort of major I could have. And I talked to my chemistry teacher in high school and said, I want to major in chemistry. What should I do? And he was like, you shouldn't. He was like... <laughs> <laughs> and so... I think I left his office with a lot of rage and, uh, and said, okay, I'm going to go do it anyway. Um... And then I was always interested in how drugs affect the body. And I wanted to know more about how drugs work. Um, and so that's what took me into like the pharmaceutical side of chemistry. So I found just kind of regular chemistry a bit boring, just some reactions going on, but I wanted to be able to make those compounds. And, and then, so that's what got me into the, um, in the pharmaceutical science major. Uh, however, when I went to grad school, I, I thought I was going to stay in this medicinal chemistry field and started doing a lot of reactions uh, in my first lab that I worked in in grad school and decided that I didn't want to just build the drugs anymore. I actually wanted to see how they affected the body. And so I ended up getting my PhD in pharmaceutical science, but with a little bit more broad um, into pharmacology. Uh, so really studying how how drugs affect the body. And I was, I was working on... Um, a specific compound that's used for epilepsy, but causes a lot of weight gain as a side effect. And I was diving into why is this weight gain happening? What's going on in the body um, that's being caused by this drug as a side effect? And found... And everybody's curious. Did you find a cure for against weight gains? <laughs> <laughs> I wish 
<laughs> now, uh, I wish that was the case. That would have been, <laughs> that would have made the headlines, right? <laughs> but no, I, we just found out some of the, the deep mechanisms of what was happening, um, what was wrong with really the timing of when people took this, this drug for, for epilepsy. Most people take the drugs in the morning. And in the morning, that's when your stress hormone cortisol is at its highest. Cortisol also helps you get your metabolism going. And when you take this drug in the morning, it really depletes that, um, that hormone. And so this could be a reason why um, these people are gaining weight because their metabolism isn't kickstarted by, uh, by that hormone. And so one potential option would be to try and take the drug at night when the, when the cortisol is, uh, is at its lowest and you're getting ready to go to sleep. But anyway, that was quite too scientific <laughs> for an intro. Uh, d d don't worry, t totally fine for us. And you graduated with a PhD in, sorry, I have to read this, drug discovery and development. And uh, then you ended up as a business intelligence analyst. I, I actually would have expected something like with the lab uh, in laboratory. I did. How did this happen? Right. Uh, so that role was... Um, a role I had as a student while I was still um, finishing my PhD, I was looking at different types of careers that um, you can go into after you have a PhD. I'm very social, very extrovert, so not necessarily what you typically find in a lab. And, <laughs> and one avenue... Um, I started to explore was that I had a, quite a few touch points with the technology transfer office at my, at my grad school. And this is the office that um, handles any intellectual property that's created at the university, but has some commercial potential. They want to transfer that out and by licensing the technology or having it purchased by a startup or a large company. And they were looking for, for analysts. And so I, um, was hired there where I was just evaluating a lot of different technologies that were coming out of the university and seeing if they had commercial value and looking at market size and, and potential. And I think that was where I first started to get a little bit of business experience. So not just lab the whole time, but starting to kind of bridge this. And um, yeah, I was there for, I think, almost nearly a year, my last year in grad school. Mm -hmm. And then at one point you decided to go for startups, I would assume in the Bay Area. Um, I, I'm not familiar with the name, but it uh, sounds a little bit like science-y, uh, not necessarily biotech startups. Um, yes, both are both are biotech startups. Um, so the first one was called Prospect Bio. I was with them for around two and a half years. Um, yeah, when I when I left grad school, I wanted to move up to the Bay Area. That's where I was born. Um, always felt kind of a pull to to go back there. And I wanted to get into the startup space because I had worked in the technology transfer office. I started seeing there's a lot of this technology that's getting commercialized and these are forming spinouts or they're forming small businesses. And I didn't necessarily want to go into a large corporation straight away because um, I'd always worked in small teams and found Prospect Bio. I was hired as their um, their first senior scientist, really the first employee and was with them for around two and a half years. And the technology we were building there was a um, basically genetically engineering microorganisms to act as sensors. 
And we built a large library of 50,000 sensors that could detect different fragrances and flavors. Um, this was really interesting to Ginkgo Bioworks, and um, Ginkgo Bioworks ended up acquiring the the entire library. Mm -hmm. So, so basically, you trained uh, little bacteria to to be like a drug dog. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like the one sniffing for illegal drugs at, at the border patrol or that's, stuff like that. I would say that's a great way to put it. <laughs> uh, and how did you do it? Because because I. To believe uh, you, you didn't get them some food for rewards. How can you actually train a microorganism? Yes. So we genetically engineer them to act as a sensor to detect different fragrances and flavors. So, well, in this, in this scenario, so um, fragrances are small, are small molecules. Um, they enter in the cell And then they would react with a piece of DNA that we had designed to activate in the presence of that um, small molecule and then create a fluorescent signal that you can then detect with a sensor. Um, so it's a bit of genetic engineering, um, combining different types of, of DNA together in order to bring that, bring that signal from the compound into something that you can read. So that means uh, you, for example, made bacteria that was glowing every time they smelled chocolate? <laughs> yes, <laughs> but not chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it, what are the commercial applications? Because we, we already talked about uh, dogs on the Border Patrol sniffing, like I would assume anti-terrorism anti-drug smuggling. Uh, what else come to mind? What else can you use this for? Yeah, so this, what we built in particular was used to monitor the production of these fragrance molecules. So in a biosynthetic um, approach to making these types of fragrances, you engineer a bacteria or um, a, a, a yeast to produce this grapefruit. Uh, scent molecule, for example. Um, you're making this in a fermenter, but you want to know what concentration that compound is at. And so our bacteria that we engineered to be able to pick up that grapefruit molecule uh, can be incubated alongside the production strain, and it will glow when that production strain has made a certain concentration of that chemical. Sorry, very stupid idea, but basically you could also like make bacteria that become green every time they smell Christmas trees. Something, right? something exa like yeah, this. exactly. Something like this. Um, <laughs> we're, we're a bit limited in most of the fragrance molecules we used would have to be, we would have to put it into a liquid. Um, and so unfortunately you can't, we, we never got to the point where you could s spray the air necessarily. And then the air is going to glow because it smells the Christmas tree. Um, but we did try to try to um, make sensors for some more volatile compounds. So that like um, molecules that are in the air, um, but it was a bit more difficult um, because you need to put them in the same space and bacteria like to grow in typically a liquid. And so you also need to be able to put the fragrance molecule into the liquid. Mm, I see. And then you change 
jobs and then there there is a like an important step in your life because you said you're originally mm -hmm. from the bay area but then at one point you made like a really big step uh even geographically because you went from the bay area mm -hmm. to berlin well, why did he do that what what, what was driving yeah that? i i get asked this all the time because most people at least in germany they say why Did you leave the Bay Area? We're trying to go there, not the other way around. Um, yeah. Earthquakes. Um, yeah, the, the earthquakes are exciting. Have you ever felt an earthquake? Uh, actually, I had one when I was visiting uh, during um, my studies in the U.S. So I was basically there as um, as a graduating senior uh, at Midwestern State. <laughs> Go Mustangs! And before and after summer school, I visited the East Coast and West Coast, and I had a very small earthquake when I was in San Francisco. But actually, for me, never experienced an earthquake. Even a very small one was more than sufficient <laughs> for me. Yes. Yeah, there, I would say the first time you feel one, it's quite, it's quite frightening. Um, But then you get then you get used to it, and uh, my my roommates and I used to say that unless the frames are coming off the wall, you don't have anything to worry about. <laughs> I see, I see. Um, <clears throat> actually, uh, so what was the drive behind it? Did he want to make a change, or uh, uh, did he just? Have you been just so fascinated by Berlin? Or uh, what did motivate you here to actually yeah. go? Or to, to, to um, go somewhere so else? So I was starting to think about starting my own business. And because I've had basically just a scientific background um, my whole life and all of this technical training, I was looking for different accelerator programs to give me that extra education around the business side of um, starting a company. And my cousin had actually suggested looking into Entrepreneur First, which is a startup accelerator that helps you find a co-founder, helps you vet your idea, evaluate markets, and and understand the business potential, and, and really get, get started. And She worked for a company that had come out of one of EF's cohorts um, in the UK. And so I was like, okay, I'll check it out. Um, they have three locations in Europe. They have London, Paris, and Berlin. And I liked Berlin because I had two friends that are, had already lived here <laughs> and told me very good things. So I was like, okay, I at least have two friends. And um, I think the city is just full of culture. It's the, you know, the startup hub of, of Europe. And when I arrived, I did feel like my perspective from San Francisco and my kind of startup mentality was really well heard here. And um, it also doesn't doesn't hurt that the cost of living is significantly less than San Francisco. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I'm very sure about that. And so basically you applied, mm -hmm. you got accepted and Maybe this was a correction afterwards, but my understanding is basically you came here in March and then in April exactly. you already started your company. Yes, basically. Was, was it that fast? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. No. Yeah, no time wasted. Awesome. And um, then you basically founded or co-founded yes. 
Microbes, biotechnology company. And uh, when we talked before the interview, basically, um, let's take it, let's say that way you had some iterations. <laughs> yes, I think um, every good entrepreneur has has several iterations on their idea. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, so what was the idea you started out with and what is the idea, what is what Microbes is actually doing right now? Um, yeah. So what Microbes is doing now, uh, maybe I'll start with that, <laughs> is um, we are doing, mm-hmm. we make a at-home health tracking test. So we make a urine test strip and an associated app that measures five different health parameters and that allows you to do this test every week to monitor your health over time with the idea to basically be the Fitbit for your urine. So knowing your immunity, liver health, kidney health, nutrition, and hydration just from your urine every week. Simply use our strip, take a photo, upload it to our app, and then we have a database of what your all of the results you've ever had, and then we can make suggestions on how to improve and optimize your health um, just by looking at your urine. We make plenty of it, so might as well put it to some good use. Um, uh, Previously, um, MyProbes was focusing on at-home testing for food safety. Um, So basically taking a test strip and knowing if your milk has gone off or not. Um, we've always wanted to be really bringing diagnostic tests into the home so that people can use them more frequently, um, know more about what's going on in their environment and their health. And I feel that with the COVID pandemic, everyone's a lot more familiar with self-testing and feels more comfortable in this space. Um, Luckily, now everybody is a bit of an amateur virologist, so people know what a PCR test is, they know what an antigen test is, they know what an antibody test is, all these things that I used to have to educate people about. Now everyone knows accuracy, sensitivity, specificity, they know all of these terms. Um, And so now I feel it's a really good time to basically give people a chance to test more things about their bodies because they've gotten used to it um, over the last year. And talking about testing your bodies, what are, what is something you can detect with, with your strips? What, what would be like early warnings? What can you tell of the health of a body? Yeah. So I mentioned we look for um, liver health and um, kidney health. So Typically, if there's um, protein in your urine, this can be a a sign of liver dysfunction. So this is something that we could pick up on early. Um, A lot of times when you go to the doctor and if you have any problems like this, it's very reactive. So really, this problem has been persisting for quite some time. Um, It's causing you some pain and there's a reason that you're now going to the doctor. Um, but with our strips, we can monitor this so you know what healthy looks like to you. And if that ever starts to deviate, we can basically flag that and you can go to the doctor much more proactively. So we could even be in a space where it's like a preventative medicine. Mm-hmm. And is your product already available for purchase? What stage are you guys in? 
Yes. So we have launched the test strips um, about a month ago. So this is a big step for us. Um, I can show you one here. They look a little bit like this. So it's a testing card. It has these 10 parameter pads at the bottom of the card. Um, you simply can collect your urine into a cup and dip this into the bottom for about one second. Take it out, snap a photo and send it to us. Um, they're on our website, myprobes.shop. Um, you could buy them uh, as early as right after this podcast. Um, and then we also have the a web application where we give you the, the results and, and recommendations. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and my understanding is that actually you then use an AI to actually recognize the picture. And um, what are your plans in the future? Will you stick with this card or are there like other plans in the pipeline? Yes. So the first plan will be to expand the card offering. So I mentioned right now we have these 10 parameters, um, but we want to include more um, vitamins, minerals, and hormones that you can test from your urine and make specific um, card packages that are focused on um, needs that, that our customers are having, per, per, perhaps prenatal or um, elderly focused cards um, that look at specific um, biomarkers for those, um, for those groups. And yes, we have an AI that is able to detect the card and do, um, measure the density of the color change for each of the pads in order to give you the values. So this all happens um, um, very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. That sounds really fascinating. And mm -hmm. um, just out of curiosity, uh, when did you learn that you got the German Startup Awards for Newcomer of the Year? And how did it feel? Ah, I, I, was, I actually don't remember. What, what was the day that the, that the Startup Awards were on? It was end of April, I remember, but um, I don't remember exactly. The... I guess the only thing that was a bit a bit surprising, um, well, many things were a bit surprising. I found out I was nominated, I think, in December. Um, I'm not a German speaker, and the email was all in German, and so I ignored it actually for uh, for about a week or two. <laughs> and then I and then they they pinged me again, and they're like, "Hey, did you see this email? You've been nominated for the award." And I was like, "Oh my god!" Oh, that's a meaning. Oh yeah, here you go. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, that's, uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I definitely did not um, translate that one correctly. Um, so that was back in December. And then um, I knew that the award ceremony was going to be coming. Um, but we did the filming for the actual awards um, before the rest of the public knew because of Corona and, um, and we had to do this certain social distancing. And so I knew a week before anyone else knew which um, was a bit was also a, a little bit um, funny because I forgot that no one else knew, and so I was like, "Oh yeah, I just won the award, keeping it to myself." And then a week later, you know, it goes public, and and then all of the congratulations come in online, and I it was just I I think I sort of missed that um, not having the live event because I yeah I, I it was very kind of anticlimactic at the at the moment um the german startup association made a nice event where they gave the the awards but you know you don't have the group of people around you and then all of that kind of came in later when they uh when they announced it online uh, how did it actually feel uh, i i assume there have not been many people present at the award ceremony right right that's that's exactly it there was um only the other 
nominees for each category. So um, the nominees for founder of the year and investor of the year and um, social impact. Um, and so it was very small group. And um, then the camera crews, <laughs> more or less. Um, but it, it still felt very... It's, it's, it felt very surprising. I just, I didn't think I was going to win at all. And um, being able to be recognized by the startup community in a, a city where I have not lived here very long, it felt very, um, it felt very nice that I was being welcomed and kind of accepted into, into the startup community here and recognized for my efforts. And so that was a, a really good feeling. What did your family say? I think my mom cried. <laughs> They were so proud. Um, and that, that goes a little bit to when I mentioned that we did the filming before the actual, um, the actual broadcast. So I didn't tell anybody I had won. And I told my parents, oh, you have to watch the, 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 um, the online stream. And then they call me all excited. And she, and my mom was like, but you knew? Oh, and she felt so, uh, she felt betrayed that I hadn't told her, but we weren't allowed to tell anybody. <laughs> Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I see. Well, only thing left for me to say. Oh, well, two things left for me to say. <laughs> Congratulations again. Thank you very And much. Secondly, thank you. It was a pleasure having you here. And best of luck for you and my probes. Thank you very much, Joe. It was great chatting with you. This was a lot of fun. Pleasure was all mine. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. If you are a professional looking at the European startup scene, Germany is a place you cannot miss. Fortunately for you, there is StartupRad.io, the authority on German startups. This English-only podcast brings you fresh interviews each week. Most likely, you have never heard or read anything on these startups before in English, but you will in the future. Be ahead of the curve and subscribe to StartupRad.io podcast or check for the StartupRad.io internet radio station. Check your Alexa for the StartupRad.io skill as well.